Coming up on the Burst of Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival, we catch up with the Brisbane Lions' Caitlin Ashmore, Norwood Sophie Lee, UNSW Eastern Suburbs Stingrays Tracy Kick, AFL Tasmania's Lee Elder, and the Box Hill Hawks' Patrick Hill. I'm Peter Holden, and welcome to another Best of Girls Play Footy. Plenty to get through on today's episode. We lead off with the star of the Brisbane Lions. She's not actually a Queenslander. She's a Victorian. She's from Ballarat. Her name is Caitlin Ashmore. And we spoke with her just a few rounds into the AFLW season when the Lions were sitting top of the table undefeated. Yeah, it couldn't have um, worked out any, any more perfect, um, especially going in not really have any expectations you know, where the side was going, you know, a lot of unknowns. But um, we've surprised pretty much the whole um, footy community. So, yeah, it's going pretty good. Let's rewind back a couple of months. How does a woman from Ballarat end up in sunshiny Brisbane? Oh, I know. It's it's honestly like a dream. So when I first talked to Craig about it, I thought, you know, like moving to Queensland, especially for AFL, like that's that's just a dream. And then when it, um, we started talking a little bit more and it became a reality, like, it was just, I couldn't say no. Like, it was a perfect opportunity. I just finished um, my uni course. Um, so I didn't really have much, you know, holding me back other than obviously family and friends. But, you know, I thought six months in the Sunshine State, why not? Perfect coach. Sound like a good team. So, yeah, I took the leap and um, I couldn't, like, I love it. It was the best choice I've made. And how does the conversation like that come about? Did you put the phone call to Craig? Did Craig call you? How, how did that kick off about the idea of you going up to Brisbane? Oh, well, firstly, I, I messaged Craig when I found out he was coach. Um, and I just, I pretty much said congratulations. And then it just started from there. Like, he's like, oh, do you want to play for us? And, like, I, like we had a laugh. And, like, I was like, oh, I'd probably, I'd probably move up there. And then it started, it snowballed from there. And, yeah, we talked a little bit more. And then about a month or two later, I, I said yes, so, yeah. And without obviously giving away any other names, were there any other clubs putting out the feelers to you around that stage about possibly joining their list? Um, not really. Like, I had a chat with the Doggies a little bit way before um, Marquees and stuff, and they said they they were looking to have me back on the list. But, yeah, I, I could not say no to Brisbane. It was perfect. Now, originally the idea was that you're going to be up in Brisbane for about six months and then come back to Melbourne to play for Melbourne Uni. Is that still the plan, or is that now up in the air? Um, it's up in the air, only because I'm having so much fun here. You know, the girls are great. Um, but obviously the plan is to come back, play for Melbourne Uni, and then, you know, work out what's happening for there and hopefully get back with the Lions. But, yeah, it's just kind of up in the air at the moment what's going to happen. haven't really... Um, put anything in stone yet. Now, you're one of five, I'd call, imports for the Brisbane Lions. Of course, there's the Marquis, Sabrina Frederick-Torb, who's come from WA. Jessica Ruchner, who we could say has come from, well, WA and Tasmania originally. Brittany Gibson from Tasmania. And, of course, your fellow Muggers teammate in Nicole Hildebrand, who's come up. How are you all five settling in together, being the outsiders coming in to join this almost Queensland stateside and adjusting to life up there? Um. I think we've all adjusted actually really well. So we don't really feel like outsiders or like that we've just come up for the season. Like the girls have made us feel really welcomed and we actually feel like a part of Queensland now. So um, we're all fitting in really, really well. And even with the humidity and stuff, like um, we're getting used to it. We we feel like locals now. So, yeah, and it's good to do it obviously with the other girls. So, yeah. It's funny you mentioned humidity because the first game was completely opposite when you came down to Casey Fields in Melbourne to take on Melbourne. What was the feeling in that game at halftime? It was a very unusual situation. The second quarter technically ended early because you came off of, out of all things, for lightning. What happened? How did Craig get control of the group, particularly when something unusual that you're not expecting to happen has happened? Um, it's really hard, like you said, because I've, like, honestly, I've never actually played in that much rain before and even, like, a bit of a storm. So I think all the girls were kind of in the same boat. Even Melbourne, I reckon, would be the same boat. So he just got us together, like, and we've just got such a good group. Like, we all just, like, bonded really well and then as well as on-field and off-field. So he pretty much said, like, you know, you just, you just got to work as a team. It's not a one-person job. We all have to get there. And then, yeah, so... He's just a great coach, and the way he puts everything across, like everyone listens to him, 
And I think that's exactly what we needed. And I think that's what got us over the line. So, yeah. And then, of course, you had to back up for the big Frio game the week after. Uh, normally, any side would look at two games on the road as being daunting. But I guess uh, on the positive front for you, it's allowed the side to bond more closely, being away together two weeks in a row? Yeah, well, I think that's exactly that's exactly how I've been um, telling people, actually. Like, the first two away games has definitely brought us a lot closer. Um, and I think that's exactly what we needed and even like Freo was so hard with the five-hour flight and then getting back after Freo and then having the six-day turnaround I think we've done really well and yeah I think we couldn't have asked for a better draw actually. Was it daunting for most of the girls that first home game taking on not only Collingwood being one of the biggest clubs with supporters outside of Victoria but that big occasion of this is the first home game in front of friends and family? Yeah, so I think a lot of the girls obviously had their family coming and um, me and Nick obviously had our Melbourne game as kind of like our first home game. So we kind of didn't feel that like what they did, but I think the girls did really well. We, coming up to the game, we focus on what's in our like four walls. We don't focus on what's outside. So we did have a lot of pressure of like first home game. We've won the first two away. Can we do it at home? Can we do it in front of our friends and family? You know, we had a lot of expectations and especially because um, no one gave us a chance in the first two games either. So we had that as well. But no, we're really good at pushing everything outside the bubble and whatever we need inside the bubble, that's what we focus on. So, yeah, no, I think we did really well and yeah, it was a good game. Uh, One thing that uh, I want to talk about is um, what gets done during the week with your training session. We're not talking about necessarily on the track. I remember Andrew Jago, when you were at Melbourne Uni, used to say he'd grab about 90 seconds of footage from uh, from your previous game and show you what was being done. How much uh, match analysis is being done, homework on that side, now as a semi-professional footballer, of seeing what you've done and now, because the vision's available, having opposition analysis as well? Yeah, I think it's really good. So usually our first session back, whether um, it's Monday or Tuesday night, we have a first hour before training. We have a quick look at our, like, look at some footage and then we, um, you know, obviously talk about it, what we can work on, what we're not, or, you know, what we have done really well and that, all that sort of stuff. So that's really good and it's really good to have uh, facility, facilities that we can do that in as well. So, and then obviously before the game on the weekend, we then look at the opposition. So... At the start of the week, we kind of look at our game and then um, later on in the week, we kind of look at um, who we're versing and our opposition. One thing as well that I want to talk about is the captaincy of Emma Zilke, who particularly had an outstanding game against uh, Collingwood uh, on Saturday. Uh, her ability to leap from the front, take those big tackles and just try and drive the team forward. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, when I first moved to Queensland, just... Her professionalism, I thought, as soon as like I started training with her, I knew that she would be um, in the captain role. And I think she, on the weekend, just showed why she should be captain on and off the field. Like, she's an amazing person. And, yeah, like you said, like, when she took those great tackles, great mark, and then finished off with a goal, like, we couldn't ask for anything more. Is that one thing you can notice as a footballer when you go into a new environment? You can spot straight away within the group, right, these are the women, these are the leadership group without even having an official title on them. You know who's taking charge? Yeah, so there's always, yeah, like when you go into a new side, there's always the girls you can tell who have that natural leader role. And yeah, Zilke definitely has that natural leader role. And for yourself personally, now that we have this, um, uh, you know, you, you now got all these coaches, we've now got all this analysis, uh, they've managed to obviously zero in, microscopic look at your game. What are they looking at specifically that they want to see you improve on? Um, so I'm kind of going through the forward role um, a lot more this um, through this AFL season. So I've been working a lot closer with Stakes. So Stakes um, and Dan Merritt, like we're lucky to have them boys. So they played AFL themselves. So... You know, they have a lot um, a lot of knowledge on the game. And, yeah, so uh, I'm just trying to work on my defensive side as well as my offensive side. So, obviously, I'm a lot better on my offensive side. So, Stakes is working hard, you know, um, on that side. So, yeah, it's good. He shows me some footage and what I should and shouldn't do. And, yeah, like, it's amazing to have that. And especially from someone with so much knowledge. 
Just putting on your mugger's hat for a moment, we uh, saw a photo from the um, uh, Melbourne Uni uh, Twitter account that uh, yourself uh, at Wilston Grange, there's a partnership going on between the uh, muggers and uh, the gorillas. Uh, what will that encompass? Um, it's actually really great to have, especially a club up in um, Queensland. Um, and it'll be good to, you know, like share the knowledge between and have that partnership as well. So if we do have you know, things going on in either state, we can hopefully get them down, you know, we can go up and do some things together and hopefully grow women's footy because it's, it's growing massively now, but having that partnership is going to be amazing. Indeed it is. If we look ahead to uh, what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, uh, you've got another game at South Pine again, um, maybe another 5,000 plus crowd to shop to see you uh, host GWS on Saturday. And then um, if things go as they should, but we know how crazy this season's been, um, Saturday, yeah. <laughs> Saturday, March 4th, you have got the Channel 7 nationwide game and what a game against the Adelaide Crows at Norwood under lights. Oh, I know. It's going to be amazing. So, especially because that's obviously our first TV Channel 7 game broadcast. But, yeah, we've just got to keep going. Obviously, they're in, like, amazing form and they're playing so well. Um, But we've got to focus on GWS first. Like, we're getting excited, but we've got to go week by week. So, it'll be a great game when we finally get there. And, um, yeah, it'll be, like, they're amazing to watch as well. So, they're definitely one to watch. The Brisbane Lions would end up hosting the grand final for the AFL Women's 2017 season against the Adelaide Crows at Gold Coast Metricon Stadium. Unfortunately for the Lions, they would fall short by a goal to the Crows. Ashmore has re-signed with the Lions and will play for them in the 2018 AFL Women's season. Another player that will be playing AFL Women's Football, although she didn't play in the inaugural season, she was taken in the draft and will play for Carlton in 2018, is Sophie Lee from Adelaide University and from Norwood in the Sandfell W. She got through to the grand final with the Norwood Redlegs in which they defeated North Adelaide and she was awarded best on ground. We caught up with her a day after that. Yeah, that's it. Busy weekend. And what a game it was for Norwood. Let's just flash back to that uh, for yourself. 23 disposals, two goals. Yep, yep, that's it. Yeah, we, uh, it was a great game by all the girls and um, luckily we came out with a win. What was the feeling like going into the game? Because um, you've been one and one each with North Adelaide. You beat each other uh, once. Um, you were second on the table, so you're the underdogs going in. What was the mindset in the rooms before running out there? I think, yeah, you're right, we had played them before and in one game we'd done really well and the other we'd, we hadn't done so well. So I think we were, we were trying to work out beforehand uh, the right strategy to go into this game and coaches worked really hard on that and I think um, luckily it paid off for us this time, the kind of approach we went for it. But yeah, um, we were definitely definitely had to look into how they played and look into how we played and focus on what our strengths were and what their weaknesses were and try and go with that. What was being said by, say, Beck McMahon and uh, and the other leaders out there on the ground when um, Norwood had a little bit of a, pardon me, North Adelaide had a little bit of a run early and they got an early two-goal lead? They did. They um, they got started well and the momentum um, was definitely in their favourite to start the game. Um, I think uh, all the girls just um, really focused and, and tried to not let that get to us and um, just kind of get on with it and get the job done. That was really our mantra for the whole game, to get the job done. Plenty of support uh, around you, including from uh, Mariana Ratchik and uh, Ruth Wallace as well, racking up the disposals. Yes, they've been excellent. It's continually um, performed and, again, yeah, just did great. I think they got a couple of goals each and, yeah, um, improved every week and played a great game. Clearly won the ruck contest as well. The cutting Fitzgerald combination, 54 hitouts between them. That's right, they're excellent. Um, so, such tall girls and, and they do manage to, to use their bodies so well and... Um, get in front and, and win that hit out, which is a massive advantage playing in the midfield. I'm to know what was said at three-quarter time in the huddle. You're going into the final quarter. You're up by a goal. At that stage, it was almost level because um, Chloe Shear had kicked two in a row and it seemed like the Roosters all of a sudden had the momentum. What was said heading in for the final 20 minutes? Um, I think we all said, this is it. We've got one opportunity. We've worked hard all season to, uh, to get here. Let's not waste this opportunity and let's just do it. Um, Steve, our coach, was always inspirational and Beck, Beck gave us a few words as well. And um, yeah, we all came together and, and got it done. And of course, yourself winning best on ground. So that means we need to step back a moment. For, for yourself personally, where did your footy career begin? 
I've been playing for a few seasons now. So uh, one season with Morfittville Football Club and two with Adelaide Uni. So um, they've been they've been so great. Um, both clubs have learned a lot, and uh, yeah. And how have you felt the um, step up from, well, Adelaide Uni was in Division 2, then obviously went up to Sawfield Division 1, and now going up another gear to play Sandfall Women's? That's right. It's, it's fantastic that we can press like this now. Yeah, when I came back up from overseas uh, last year, we, we had Div 2 and all of a sudden we're in Div 1, so it's, it's great to be able to... There's that scope now for girls to be able to play at any level they kind of want to, and, and the professionalism of the game for women's really improving, which is just amazing. And what about you? How did you find the pre-season now under all this professional arrangement, and particularly with the Sandfall clubs, uh, having the access to their resources? It was so good. We had the trainers, we had the physios, we had the doctors out there. Um, everything we needed was at our disposal, and, and all were incredible in providing us with all those facilities um, and the people as well. And um, it, it really just, I think, the girls loved it. We, we haven't really had that experience. Um, that kind of professional realm um, with our football before so to, to get that opportunity was just incredible and I think it really um, took everyone's game to the next level it was just amazing And how about for the crowd as well have you ever played in front of an atmosphere like that at Unley Oval? No, never it was it was amazing again to all these people out there supporting both teams and just, just the, the show of um, support for women's sport in general and, and the, the girls playing footy is incredible so it was, yeah, it was great now, in front of that big crowd at Unley Oval as well were the Adelaide Crows players who would have been uh, watching on. Considering you came second in the league best and fairest count and got a best on ground in the grand final, do you dare to dream of a spot on the Crows list? <laughs> it would be amazing to even be considered to play both the Crows. Um, uh, look, I think, I think that's the dream for everyone to eventually play out there. Um, yeah. So what lies ahead for you now post uh, Sanford Women's season? Uh, a bit of time off. We've got a month so to kind of recover and rest and then we'll be back playing at the local league. So I'll be back playing with um, Adelaide Uni and, yeah, it'll be great to, to have a couple more months just back with the, the regular girls at, um, at the Blacks and, yeah, see how we go from there. Well, Sophie, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and congratulations again on winning Best on Ground and a Premiership with Norwood. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. This is the best of Girls Play Footy. I'm Peter Holden. Another person we had the privilege of chatting to throughout 2017 was the coach of the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Stingrays, Tracy Kick. We spoke to her as they were going through their pre-season, coming off their historic 2016 Premiership and asking how they felt about going into 2017 as the reigning Premiers now being the hunted as they aim to go back-to-back. Yeah, look, I think uh, I feel pretty good about it, actually. Um, it was a long time coming. We were one of the foundation clubs at uh, Sydney AFL and uh, took 17 years to win a premiership. So uh, we're all feeling pretty good about it. And, yeah, look, going from strength to strength, I think, in 2017 and we'll certainly uh, be aiming to give it a crack again. 17-year drought. Have everyone just started coming home from the pub? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, I think um, there, there were some traditional clubs in the early days of Sydney AFL that um, dominated through the first 10 years of the competition and then um, East Stingrays, UNSW East Stingrays, uh, started to be more competitive uh, around uh, 2013, 2014, um, and I've been there three years. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's been good to, to build the the culture and uh, I always think that underpins everything so um, we've built it and uh, hopefully we'll be competitive again. You talk about that changing culture. I mean, what's a few things you put it down to? For example, um, I'll raise the St Kilda Sharks uh, uh, down here in Victoria. Uh, when we first called footy down here about three years ago, you saw after the games, you don't like uh, any amateur side. They like to have a you know a couple of cans of Jim Bean or a beer after the game and celebrate. That attitude changed in the last two, two or three years. You don't see a drink in their hand immediately after the game. They're down the nearby beach doing their recovery. For you as well, what do you put that down to? What changed in the mind? mindset to to bring about this competitiveness for the Stingrays? Yeah, look, I think um, what really happened was uh, the first year I came to the Stingrays, um, there had been some prior planning to be the first 
Sydney club to have two divisions. Um, so there are only two divisions in Sydney at the moment. Um, and we were the first club to field two teams from the one club um, because what had happened in the historical part of Sydney AFL is that individual clubs would be formed and they weren't often part of, I guess, the same culture that you have in Melbourne and in Victorian community footy or um, you know, WA or the traditional AFL stage, um, there's not that sense of kind of the club fields, you know, a whole group of teams. Um, so little sort of silo teams were popping up all over the shop as it grew. Um, and I think we got to about uh, 14 teams and we were the first one then to go, no, let's build a second side. So I think building that second side, um, it was hard work, but it um, a really really gave the girls something to aim for. I think people were really proud of that. Um, you know, we committed to not forfeiting in our first year and we didn't. And um, at the same time, we had a pretty strong playing group that just needed probably just a little bit more, you know, a bit more understanding about why they're playing footy and what brings them together and, and building that culture. And the club is not, not hasn't been traditionally one of the biggest drinking uh, cultures. So that's, that's a really positive thing anyway. Um, certainly, you know, had a party when it happens, but not the sort of club that does a lot of drinking post-game. So I don't think that was a big change uh, for this particular club. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just more about, you know, getting those common goals and working towards them and understanding what the work is that, that has to be done, I guess. What clicked for 2016 to go 15-1 and one and to eventually take the Premiership? Yeah, look, I, I think by the time we got to 2016, um, the girls girls knew that they could do it, and I think there had been a lack of belief before. Um, so 2014, we made the grand final a loss, and 2015, we uh, had a draw in the prelim final and lost an extra time. Um, so it wasn't like we weren't close before, but there was this real feeling at the start of the year that we had the we had the list, we had the determination, and, and the girls, you know, were really focused in on doing the job. I think I think you've got to lose one, you've got to lose a grand final, and you've got to have you've got to feel what that feels like to know how hard you actually need to want it. Yes, I think it was um, Simon Madden from Essendon says uh, you, you won't understand the winning until you do the losing it was something along the lines of that uh, where you needed to feel yeah. that, that pain to be able to enjoy victory uh, in which you did uh, in the end uh, defeating uh, the Sydney Uni Bombers by 27 points and in that game may I say also uh, a couple of future draftees. Yeah, look, um, we've got a pretty strong list and um, you know, currently got I think 10 in the um, New South Wales ACT AFL Academy. Um, so, and that's not counting the draftees. So we had uh, four drafted to the Giants and one drafted to Adelaide. So um, in terms of a club representation, I know there are other Victorian clubs like Darabin, for example, that had many, many draftees. But um, I think for a, for a New South Wales club, we certainly um, pulled more, more of the weight than, than the average Along the lines of Beeson, uh, Collier, for example, being a, a priority pick, and uh, one of the yep. players you said that, of course, uh, went interstate, uh, Hollick, off to uh, the Adelaide Crows. Yeah, and Cinder Barclay, who had played with us in 2015 and had played in the uh, LFL in in um, the US in 2016, as well as being a, an Australian baseballer, um, and um, and that leaves one more. So who else? Uh, that was my new yeah. Yeah, yeah, Manuel. So, um, uh, yeah, look, we 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 were very proud of them, um, and looking forward to to having them back. Um, my unfortunately did her ACL um, in the in the, the Giants Brisbane game, and uh, we were up there because we'd been up for a friendly to play Yuronga up there, and that was really disappointing. Um, so she's uh, going to be. Uh, obviously out this season and she's going to be doing some development work at another club that's closer to her home because she was travelling like 50 k's to come to training so um, we'll, we'll lose her but uh, all the others are coming back and once they've had their break I think after Easter probably round three they'll join the, the rest of the playing group.
And that's a tricky thing, isn't it, uh, I guess, for the coaching staff there at the Stingrays and also for all those other clubs that do have those returning AFLW players. Some competitions start in May, some like Sydney, Queensland, WA start on the 1st of April. Is just trying to keep those players fresh, not only just physically but mentally as well. Yeah, for sure. Look, I think, and it's a real challenge, I think, the, the notion of integration back into the club. You know, these, these young women have become, you know, sort of household names overnight and, um, you know, had a lot of uh, attention and a lot of opportunity. They've had much more professional training facilities and support crews. Then they've got to come back to community footy. And, you know, one of the things that we do at our club is we're trying to create that the environment that, you know, obviously driving towards our, um, you know, potentially making finals again and, and building our second team up to be finals contenders for the first time as well. So, um, you know, we, we operate as professionally as we can within our budgetary constraints. And, you know, we have a physio training on Tuesday nights. We have, you know, some of the things that, that we hadn't had before, I guess, we've been able to talk to the committee about and, um, you know, thanks to the AFLW, you know, and the fact that we've got players coming back, it's given us a little bit of, of strength and power to, you know, try to make our environment um, as professional as possible. But, yeah, I'm going to have dinner with the girls over the next couple of weeks and, and talk about coming back to club footy and, you know, their goals and aspirations and, and also, you know, what they bring back as role models for footy um, to the rest of the team. And talking about AFLW, what has that meant in the way of recruits on the field for you? Uh, yeah, look, we've we probably uh, you know had there been a third division in in Sydney, we probably would have gone close this year to being able to field three teams, and we would would have been the first club to do that as well. Um, but across the board, I know most clubs just reporting increased numbers, increased interest. Um, you know, clubs that were struggling before are talking about having great numbers. A couple of clubs that had to amalgamate just for last year, just. To get on the park have both separated back to their individual clubs so it's the Western Wolves and Southern Power and they're, they're both reporting strong numbers um, so uh, 14 teams in Division 1 which is kind of massive um, for Sydney so we, yeah, we've got 8 teams in, in Division two. Uh, in the Premier Division and 14 teams in Division 1. So I would put money on there being a Division 2 next year. And hopefully some of the clubs will consolidate and uh, and get their two or three teams. I think we've got uh, UNSW, Sydney Uni, um, and, else? and Auburn and Penrith have combined. So uh, Renee Tompkins' team, uh, Penrith and Auburn have combined so that they can run a team in the Prems and Div one. So, you know, I think the push in Sydney is to consolidate and to try and get um, multiple teams rather than new teams popping up all over the shop. And one of the other teams also to pop up to make that eight-team division, uh, UTS Shamrocks have come up to Premier Division. Mm, yes, yes. So uh, their Premiership winning coach is playing for us this year. Um, um, so that's been a great addition to our list. Um um, Chompy is her nickname, but she played in New South Wales team in 2011, which I coached, and has had about five years of footy. So she's um, coming back. I think the AFLW got her in too. She's still only 27 or 28. So um, uh, she's hung up at won a premiership in her first coaching year and, and has decided to, to play, which is, you know, great. And I'm seeing that as well. A few people who have retired before, Obviously, you know, quality players who played at either representative level or, you know, the, 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 it's ignited an enthusiasm and they're like, I'm, go- I'm going to come back and give a crack, you know. So I think that's, you know, it's coming at all levels. There are people who can't catch or kick, you know, mark, can't do anything, never even, some haven't even seen a game of footy in New South Wales and they're coming and they're just like, I want to play S. <laughs> so it's been sensational. What's the mindset been like for the team going into this year? And what have you spoken to the women about now that it is changed, that the opposition's coming after you now? You're not the one looking at the ladder going, we need to beat this team. Everyone's coming after you, even those that are down the bottom of the ladder. If they can't make a grand final, they still want the privilege of saying, we knocked off the reigning premiers. Yeah, look, to be honest, we have had a, we've had a... Uh 
you know, we've had a big session where we took, you know, re uh, talked through our values and um, and we talked as coaches. I'm really fortunate. We've got uh, five coaches in our two divs um, and really three level two coaches so and two level one. So fantastic group of coaching staff and um, we we talk to the girls about our expectations uh, we talk to the girls about our our team values and what that means and they talk to each other about what that means and what they expect from each other but you know what I haven't actually spoken about you know people are coming at us because I just want to focus on how we play footy and how we go about the footy because as I said right at the outset you know the culture cultural stuff um, and the expectations that we we set and that we expect of each other as, you know, other kind of underpin everything that goes forward. Um, so, you know, I guess this first game will be a bit of a um, bit of a test um, without our Giants players, um, clearly, because they're all having a bit of a breather for a few weeks. Um, we're out without quite a few other players because... Um, uh, April 1st is the earliest we've ever started um, in Sydney um, and a lot of people weren't expecting it to be honest. Um, we're normally in mid-April start so some people don't, one of our stingrays is actually getting married on that. <laughs> um, so, Being so, tagged yeah, heavily so, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't plan your wedding for footy but yeah, no, people had plans and weren't expecting the early start so it's come as a bit of a surprise. But um Look, you know, in terms of that, I know people will come at us and I'm sure there'll be a time when we talk about it, but really what we're just focusing on, just getting the conditions and the environment ready to have another good season um, and just to, to make sure everybody's um, working together and for each other and, and doing those things and I think the rest of it just comes from that. And for the Premiers, that is the uh, big game up against uh, Auburn Penrith Giants, as you said, the uh, newly merged Auburn and Penrith at Grey Gums mm. Oval at uh, 12.30pm Saturday. That's correct, and a bit of an unknown quantity, really, because um, Auburn had played in Premier Division uh, last year, and, and, you know, they gave it a good crack, but probably didn't have the the personnel um, to be really competitive. It'll be really interesting um, combining with Penrith, and as I said before, that's where Renee Tompkins comes from. Um, And, yeah, look, it'll be... It's really unknown, so, uh, you know, we'll go in with the, the best side we've got um, for the Prems, and we're playing a double header, which will be lovely for the all the girls to get to, and, um, and you know, we're really striving to make finals with our Div 1 side um, this year as well because we feel like, you know, we've got the strength and the depth this year, and, you know, it's not an unrealistic expecta- expectation um, at this point in time. Well, Tracy, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best throughout Season 2017 as you defend the Premiership in the AFL Sydney Premier Division. Thanks heaps, Peter, and good luck to everyone out there with their um, with their competitions and their community footy. It's going to be a great season for all, I think. And, of course, the Stingrays would go on to beat the Sydney Uni Bombers and claim back-to-back AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division Premierships. Congratulations to them. You're listening to the best of Girls Play Footy. I'm Peter Holden. Also, during the pre-season, we caught up with Lee Elder from AFL Tasmania. There, there was a bit of a restructure going on. The Tasmanian State Women's League, which encompassed seven teams, was being, in a way, restructured. There'd now be five premier teams taking part in the TSLW with the other two teams with a bunch of new teams making up separate regional leagues. So obviously you've got the state league with the best of and those that want to play a bit of social footy or couldn't travel across the state would play in those particular regional competitions. Lee joined us on the line to explain the new structure of Tassie football for 2017. Yeah, most certainly. We held our female football forum in November last year with the aim to correct three deficiencies. Uh, We just had one senior women's competition so therefore that was trying to balance both high performance and participation levels all at the same time which it does get a bit confusing and is not probably beneficial for the growth of female football. So we wanted to correct and actually have a high performance competition as well as regional which is more participation level competitions Uh, and we also needed to set up a structure to make sure we got the most out of our all-girls Auskick program. 
Now, just to explain, obviously, uh, for those at home that are outside of Tasmania, uh, for example, you've got in the former Tasmanian Women's League, you had a mix of elite players and some that were playing social footy because that was then the only women's competition. Um, particularly for those uh, that don't have an idea of the Tassie map, how long is that drive actually for, say, those that were playing in Burnie having to go all the way down to Hobart? Yeah, most certainly. Well, it ends up being about a 12-hour day by the time you, you travel, you prep, you play, and you travel back. So it was a huge commitment just to play effectively regional community football. So we needed to get that structure uh, completed because you had players that you just mentioned before um, with regards to Brittany Gibson, Emma Humphreys and Elise Gamble all playing for Bernie, uh, travelling uh, 12 hours and, and playing against uh, sort of regional, more social teams. So we needed to get that system fixed and thankfully 2017 sees a start of a new structure. So the TSLW, as it's uh, named now, uh, will start later this month and that'll include uh, Bernie, Launceston, Clarence, Glenorchy and the Tigers and that'll be a high performance competition so they're list managed similar to the way the AFLW is where they have senior players as well as rookies so the ones that are talented coming through our state youth girls academy and we'll also be starting three regional competitions uh, one for the south one for the north and one for the northwest so the bottom line is our growth in senior women's footy has gone from eight teams to 19 teams in the state. That is fantastic to hear, but as you said, five teams in the TSWL. Um, for those, have they adopted some of the changes from AFLW? I think things we look at include uh, ball size, players on the fields, time, etc. Uh, all exactly the same. We want to mirror that, and it's part of a trial, and we understand the AFLW was also a trial at that as well, but we were reasonably impressed with the outcomes. So we've adopted them, um, and similar adoptions actually for the regional competitions as well. And there was a couple of points in just making sure that everyone understood that if we're going to expand so quickly, then let's take the real pressure off, uh, not expect every club to have 24 ready to go. Let's make it the 20, 16 and 4. Uh, we don't need to have six on the bench. Tassie's weather is certainly not as hot as Brisbane is in February. Uh, and obviously we're just playing this in the winter competition. And as we said, five in the TSWL. Um, what are the numbers looking like for each of the respective southern, north and northwestern competitions? So two of the regional competitions are five teams and one is four. So in the south, we've got five teams. Um, we may have a late inclusion for a six, but we're working through that at the moment. The north will have four and the northwest will have five teams. And, of course, they're linked directly to those TSLW clubs as well. So the players not selected for the TSLW will filter back through the regional competitions, which, therefore, those competitions get to see some talented players and those experience are more of a high-performance model. So the girls that are coming through the system or new to the sport can see what the higher level looks like as well. Uh, and the important thing is underneath that, we've actually also expanded our youth and junior girls competition. So we've gone from three competitions in that space to six, and our total numbers of teams have gone from 35 teams last year to 59 teams uh, for 2017. Uh, and from 2015, there were only eight teams in the state because there was only the senior women's competition. So Tassie's gone from... The, out of the traditional states of being the lowest in club participation rate. To 2016, we went to the highest and taking another step forward in 2017. And as you mentioned uh, earlier with the Auskick program, what does the funnel look like now going from Auskick all the way through to TSWL? Yeah, so basically we've now got a complete uh, pathway, which is exactly what we wanted. So we've got the, uh, obviously, age groups for Auskick, uh, a five to eight. Then we've got our junior girls models and some of the regions have got multiple age groups in that situation. So that covers the nines to twelves. Then we've got our youth girls model, 13 to 17s. And your senior women's are obviously 17 plus. And then, of course, as you said, uh, from the regional competition into the uh, TSWL, what are the hopes, obviously, at, at senior level? Will there be representative football this year or the years going forward, some type of system to showcase those better players to hopefully uh, get picked up in the AFLW draft going forward? Yeah, most certainly. So part of what we're completing now is um, we're just about to release all the players that go to the 
to the competitions, the relevant competitions, but we've also got a state academy and uh, obviously with Darren Flanagan's assistance, we've actually adopted the model Victoria's got. Um, but Tassie being different in its demographics has had basically three regional academy hubs and then for the Youth Girls Academy, we also linked through state training, which was a statewide one, which we've been doing uh, every weekend for the past three months. Um, that group will obviously play in the uh, AFLW Under-18 National Championships, and we're just looking for the platforms and obviously the, the North Melbourne um, pre-season game that was conducted at Arden Street was a classic example of how we're linking with North Melbourne to provide our older players the opportunity to be showcased in front of the recruiters. And I guess that's the big thing for Tassie football, isn't it? To hopefully uh, maybe mimic somewhere that's happened in Darwin. We've seen the Crows partnership where Adelaide, uh, there'll be about 20 players training there, another seven or eight or so training up in Darwin. Is that something to look forward to for Tassie football? To hopefully have, obviously Hawthorne and North Melbourne both have a presence in Tasmania on the men's front. Is that something to look at possibly so therefore we don't have, like this year where where, uh, Woosha, Brittany Gibson, uh, Emma Humphreys and um, Elise Gamble all actually had to relocate? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's going to be the way we look forward. And I think we can all look at uh, the Adelaide Crows model with great envy because what they were actually able to do was to keep Northern Territory players actually still residing in Northern Territory. And I think it's a fantastic move uh, and obviously worked very well. Um, there does come some inherent problems in, in managing those situations, but didn't they do, Beck Goddard and, and crew do a fantastic job in doing so? So it's like anything. If you get the processes right, you actually can get great performance out of uh, ensuring that people feel comfortable, they're living where they want to live, and they still can get involved in the highest level. And I think that's a great opportunity for Tassie in the future. Um, obviously, with Tassie having twice as the population of Northern Territory, uh, there's a, probably an argument to say that uh, once we get our systems right, and obviously you, you heard with the with the numbers, the, the talent that went through, and I don't think any of our four girls disappointed that it was an AFLW level, that we've got an opportunity to even have a bigger group based out of Tassie, and potentially as the, the government and a few people have raised, there is the potential that Tassie can get um, a similar type model to what the Crows had, uh, with Northern Territory and maybe a bit more based in Tasmania. And I think that'll be fantastic and great for the public that have been great supporters of footy for a long period of time and never really had that true representation at the AFL level. And as they say, there's no better proof that it works than having a premiership in the trophy cabinet. <laughs> Absolutely. And 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 the weird thing was I, I was battling very hard on grand final day because I understood that if that system was successful, then really it's a door open for us. But I also had two Tassie girls playing for Brisbane. So um, a draw would have been fantastic in my mind and a replay the following week. And what has it meant for Tassie football, the AFL women's competition, particularly leading up into that uh, grand final for the Brisbane Lions? Not only having two players play, but Wusha was on the front page of the Mercury. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And, and we shouldn't forget of how many times uh, Brit appeared both on the front page and the back page of the Advocate in the Northwest, being obviously the, the major poster girl for the Northwest with their great success up there in Brisbane. Uh, but the, look, the bottom line is that we had the same effect as it did right around the country. And uh, unfortunately, I missed uh, the opportunity um, because we had our own uh, academy training but uh, missed the opportunity of being at Icon Park for that first historic game. And I think we all felt it then, and I've been in this space for over a decade, and uh, it just it was like a great reward to us all. And uh, it was an amazing event, and we felt it in Tasmania as much as every other state did. Um, and we were very proud of our girls and very proud of their performances. And it's been an amazing success. Um, yes, there'll be a bit of fine-tuning. Um, we all didn't know what to expect and what the results were going to be, but it's just been outstanding. And so many fantastic stories have come out of the season. It's been wonderful. Now, uh, Brittany and Jessica and uh, Elise have all uh, chosen to stay uh, in Queensland and Victoria, respectively. But Emma Humphreys is coming back to Tasmania. What does that mean to have her playing and as an assistant coach at the Bernie Dockers? 
Well, even better than that, she'll be part of the AFL TAS staff. Uh, so during the week, she's going to help us develop and, and obviously we'll be very keen to have her involved in the, the talent pathways for us uh, in the female space, but also developing footy on the northwest. So that'll be absolutely fantastic having Emma back. Uh, we understand, uh, obviously, with a, a lease situation, she's got to balance um, the study and the work um, and keeping the opportunities there, that is fine. Uh, and, of course, Brittany and Jessica have got fantastic employment opportunities via uh, the Brisbane Lions and great work that they actually did there to make sure that the girls felt wonderfully comfortable. Um, obviously, we're hopeful if we ever get to the situation where we've got an opportunity in a group uh, or a licence based in here, we'll love to see them back, but we'll, they're ours, uh, they'll always be ours, and we'll be proud of them no matter what they do, and we just hope they continue playing at AFLW level. And Lee, just before we go, of course, for those keeping an eye on Tassie footy, just reminding again, what are those dates uh, kicking off for the TSWL and the respective regional competitions? So the first game will actually be a regional competition in the north. That'll be uh, Roachley taking on Avondale. That'll be played at Roachley on Friday night, the 28th. And uh, on the 29th of April will be the first uh, kick-off for the TSLW and most other games will be played either on that Saturday or on that Sunday. So that's the weekend all our competitions start together. As we find out later in the year, there'll be further good news for Tasmanian women's football when it was announced that North Melbourne would be one of the teams getting an AFLW licence. As part of the North Melbourne bid for which they'd enter the competition in 2019, part of the list would come from the Victorian draft pool, while the other part would come from Tasmania. So Tasmanian women could stay in their state, train there, and still be part of an AFLW team. Very, very similar to how the Adelaide Crows work it with their NT base. Also, as part of that deal, there'd be a minimum of uh, two games being played in Tasmania. So that is a fantastic result for Tasmanian women's football. And uh, no doubt there'll be many more women signing up in 2018 as they look forward to getting a spot on the Kangaroos list in 2019. Another team that's uh, looking to get into AFLW, though their wait will be a little bit longer, is the Hawthorne Hawks. Now, they started their journey uh, at the end of 2016 by announcing with their VFL affiliate, the Box Hill Hawks, that they'll be filling a women's side in the Victorian Football League women's competition as part of their journey to getting an AFLW licence. Now, they missed out for 2019 and 2020, but hopefully with the continued improvement of Box Hill, that will push their argument for the Hawthorne side to be included in the competition sooner rather than later. We caught up with the inaugural coach of the Box Hill Hawks VFL women's team, Patrick Hill. Uh, I don't think there's any nerves quite yet. Um, you know, in the cut, cut and thrust of uh, pre-season, it's, uh, your focus is really on just sort of trying to improve the list and, and get better each week. And generally what happens is before you know it, uh, the first game rolls around and uh, you think where where's all the time gone? But uh, at the moment, yeah, still really focused on on, on where we're at as a team and, and just trying to improve. For you, it's a bit of a homecoming. You were an assistant coach there at Box Hill before going to Frankston. Uh, Frankston recess at the moment, so that's obviously freed you up. How does it feel to be back at Box Hill City Oval? Oh, look, it's been great, and um, any time you uh, have any involvement with a professional organisation. Um, such as Box Hill and Hawthorne, it's, uh, uh, it's really good. And, um, you know, they treat people right and uh, spend, a, spend a lot of time investing in you personally and developing you. Um, so, look, it's been great. I've had plenty of support. And, and you know, of course, coming back to a club where I, I know the main players there and, you know, all the, the, the board and um, certainly from the men's side of it, the, the, the football manager and, and just even all the players around the club it makes the, the transition back very easy so uh, look I've really enjoyed my time being back um, you know it was, a, it was a shame what happened with Frankson and, and I miss the people from there very much but uh, that's the way footy goes and life goes so we get on with the job and uh, enjoying the new environment uh, For you personally how much did you know about the women's game before taking on this role and I guess how much have you had to cram and learn in the meantime uh, I've had to cram and learn a lot um uh, my knowledge of the game uh, probably extended as far as watching some of the games we had to see if it played before us. Uh, a couple of times last year, I think Whitehorse Colts, maybe when I was last at Fox Hill, uh, played a couple of games. So um, I, I got to see a little bit of what I did know was that um, they go in extremely hard, and I think most of the people watching.
watching AFL women for the first time this year have commented on how hard they got the ball, but I certainly knew that watching the games last year. So um, it's certainly been a, a learning experience, but that, that's what coaching is, and it's uh, you know, getting to know your players and understanding what their strengths are, what their limitations are, and, and how you can uh, develop those, uh, those strengths and limitations. And how did the role come about? When did you get the tap on the shoulder if you'd be interested in this gig? Uh, look, I received a phone call uh, around about early November, uh, late October, early November. Um, as you said, I was uh, on the hunt for a job. Um, and, yeah, look, I got the call from, from uh, Box Hill and um, asking if I'd be interested. And, and uh, yeah, something I sort of, yeah, jumped, jumped at the chance and, um, you know, spoke to a few people of what they thought of women's footy and where it was going and, um you know, I've got a I've got a daughter and a wife, and I've got four sisters. So, um, if there's something I can do to to help that that, that uh, career progression and pathway uh, to, to professional sport, then I was uh, I was certainly all open ears, and it didn't take me too long to decide to take on the role. The Hawks, of course, had an open day uh, around mid to late November out at Waverley Park to obviously see who would they get on the Box Hill list for the uh, inaugural season. Can you tell us a bit about that opening day? And I heard reports that there was something like 100-plus players there. Yeah, I think we had 140 registered. Uh, I think about 120 turned up on the day. But we also had about 20 to 25 that couldn't make the day that um, still wrote to us anyway. And um, we were able to, because of their background, we were able to put some of those uh, into our training squad. Um, it was a fantastic day and um, yeah, you only had to get there and see the, the, the real joy on the, the young ladies' faces and um, putting them in a professional environment. Um, something some of them had never been able to do before, uh, just through lack of uh, pathway in either their chosen sport or, or being involved at local clubs and, and put them out at Waverley with a professional chest testing of the, the rookie meet people, which uh, ran the day and did a fantastic job. Um, there was a lot of positive energy there and you know, there were a lot of a lot of parents came along along to look, and um, you know, Joe and spent some time just walking around talking to some of the parents, and they are absolutely excited to see their, their daughters uh, um, in such an environment. And what was the uh, list eventually cut down to, and how difficult was it to get those numbers down to the required number? Yeah, look, that's still ongoing at the moment. It's been extremely difficult. I think we made our initial cut at about seven up. Land. I only probably have a training squad of 50, uh, but there's a fair bit of talent there, and uh, we end up having 70 on the track to start with. That's whittled away now to about 45. Um, we, we need to get down to 40, um, so we're still in the process of that now. We had, we had a good good hit out the other night, uh, a bit of a practice match between ourselves, and um, I thought it would make some decisions clearer, but it's actually having eight things harder, which is, uh, it's a good spot to be in, but um, it doesn't make it any easier uh, when you're going to tell some girls they won't be with our squad, but um, that's an ongoing process that will continue for the next uh, two or three weeks. And what's the makeup looking like at the moment, balance between those that have taken up Aussie rules for the first time and those that have had a fair bit of experience? Look, I think it'd probably be about 80% have, have played some form of football before. Um, we, we do have a few girls that have crossed over from other sports. We've got you know, some netballers and uh, some from a basketball background and a couple from athletics. Um, but the majority have played before, and we're talking mainly for probably the majority would have played for either Knox, Q or Whitehorse. Um, we really want to invest in our local area. Um, and, and bring those girls through, and I think it's it's sort of incumbent on all all the clubs in the competition. If the AFL women's going to succeed, we we need to also find the next uh, a lot of superstars to come into that competition. So um, we, we've concentrated a lot on our local area, um, and then and then some other girls from a few other clubs who just wanted some opportunity have tried out. Um, they, they remain on our list at the moment, but yeah, I'd say predominantly eighty percent have played fully before. And you did mention um, Knox. Have you reached out to them to obviously ask for a couple of their better players to come to you? Because it was a licence swap scenario where Knox were in the league, but they've decided to go back to community yeah. level, and that allowed Box Hill to come in. Yeah, well, I certainly reached out to Knox very early on. And, um, well, they, they were great, Knox. Uh, obviously, uh, they're disappointed not to have their licence, but 
like, like any good club, they, all they wanted was the best of their players. And, um, you know, they invited me down. And I, I went down to training and, and spoke to the girls down there and um, got some assistance from their, their current coach, uh, Clinton. Um, yeah, we've, we've got quite a few girls from there training with us. Um, yeah, well, it's not a good situation. And as I explained to them, I've been at Franks and we lost our license. I had some empathy for the situation they're in. But, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a strong club and a strong community-based club. And but they'll continue to do what they, they want to do at community level. Um, and unfortunately, it's just not in the BFL anymore. You do mention about a list of 40. Um, obviously, there can only be 22 that can run out each week. Has there been an arrangement put in place that, obviously, for players that are fit but don't get selected, they get to go back to another club, for example, and, and still get to play on the weekend? Yeah, that's, that's my understanding. It'll run very similar to the, AFL, uh, sorry, the VFL men's. And, and if you don't play with us, you'll go back to your home club. So all the girls understand that. And they'll, they'll all be looking for either looking for home clubs or, or some of them already have them and they'll go back and play with their local clubs which you know in turn will hopefully make the, the local competitions better even still and as you start to develop the game plan for the players that you've got do you think you have a distinct advantage with that home ground box hill city oval which is quite a large ground in comparison to some of the other women's grounds like for example yeah. uh Darabin's home venue of uh, ah cap reserve which is uh, almost a postage stamp it's a very tiny ground and you've got like long and skinny grounds such as plenty park where diamond creek play at so do you see box hill being a significant home ground advantage well, it will be a home ground advantage if we can run. Um, if, if we can't run and move the footy, then it, you know, it will work against us. But, but we've certainly taken that into consideration with our game plan, how we how we want to play and how we want to look. Um, you know, the, the key to, to any team, though, is being able to play in any any type of conditions, anywhere, anytime. And um, we we'll certainly will have our game plans to play at, at Box Hill, but we, we need to be mindful, too, that not all the grounds are like that. Um, and we need to be uh, thinking about what it's going to look like at, you know, at Darabin or at Seaford, uh, where we don't have the same amount of space to, to work with. Of course, your season starts on May 6th when you take on uh, fellow debutants, the Geelong Cats, at uh, Skilled Stadium. Uh, between then and now, have you had much practice matches scheduled in to be able to get a hit out against some of the current VFL women's talent? Yeah, look, as it stands at the moment, we only have uh, one practice match um, confirmed, and that's uh, on April the 1st. So uh, we'll be playing against Cranbourne on that day. But, um, yeah, look, we're certainly looking to put some others in place. We want to have three or four hit-outs uh, before the season proper. Um, it's important um, that we get a chance to, to play against other people. And, you know, our scratch matches we're sort of holding at the moment are OK. Um, but you, you sort of both sides know what each other's doing. So we really want to put that into practice against some other sides. Um, so we're looking forward to those. But also just uh, to, to enable the girls to get themselves up or down the pecking order um, and, and prove themselves around one, which will be a, you know, it's an historic occasion for our club to, to, to enter the women's uh, scope and, the, and uh, field three teams. So we're really looking forward to it. And to do that down at... Uh, at Sydney Stadium, which is an incredible facility, and every time I go down there, it gets better and better. And from everything from the playing surface to the coaches' boxes to the dressing rooms, it's just first rate. So I think the girls will be excited, and they'll be looking forward to the practice matches to, to prove their worth for that bottom round one. And of course, you've been doing a fair bit of training out of Waverley Park as well. Has there been much comment from the girls that have crossed over from the other clubs about the facilities and about what they're able to use and the attention that they get, which they wouldn't get a, at a small suburban club? Um, yeah, look, I know they're, they're really enjoying it. And, you know, well, I've got three coaches, uh, assistant coaches on the staff at the moment and we're able to get a plenty of one-on-one time with them. And so I think they're really appreciating that. Um, uh, not, not too many people like to sort of put down where they came from and I understand that. So I, I wouldn't say that, you know, they've gone out of the way to, to comment on how much better it is. But um, obviously they're really enjoying the facilities and they've got everything at their disposal there. And that's, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to create an elite environment for them. Um, so if they do have dreams to go on to AFL, but hopefully, you know, we become a destination club for those sort of girls. And of course, with the AFLW on at the moment, and uh, obviously with every game being shown live, so the, the girls get to watch it. Or has there been much comment or feedback from the girls when they go to training, seeing things, observing things that are being done at national level that they want to try and incorporate into state level? Yeah, 
Yeah, look, I, I remember after the first game and I went out to watch Collingwood versus Carlton and I, I really enjoyed the night. And that next night at training, the smiles on the girls' faces, understanding that this is now real and it's now a possibility for them. Um, yeah, that was that was gold. And um, I went to one of the other games, I think it was Carlton, Melbourne, and sat in that, sat in that area with the girls and, and we, we spoke about how our game plan is similar to what was going on there or how, how it differed. And, um, but I think they're really enjoying, um, you know, not uh, sort of having a, a game plan that um, they can see on TV and they can watch and you know, even watch at AFL level and understand what's going on there. So plenty of positive comments about that. Um, it's been hard work. Uh, it's a lot of learning for them to do, um, but I think they're relishing the challenge. The Box Hill Hawks would go on to finish eighth out of the ten teams in the competition, and it should be noted that they defeated the likes of Seaford and Cranbourne and pushed the likes of the Eastern Devils, Melbourne Uni and Diamond Creek. They showed real improvement later on to the season, and that's all with only one AFLW-listed player in their side, being the captain, Melissa Kyes. Now, they had two players recruited through the AFLW draft, so things are looking on the up and up for them, and who knows what recruits they'll be able to get for the 2018 VFL women's season. That concludes this Best of Girls Play footy episode. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks very much for your company. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Girls Play Footy, and stay tuned to RSN Carnival Wednesday evenings from 6pm for more episodes. Until next time, it's bye for now.